Imagine what it'd be like if we were really curious about each other. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Relational Spirituality, the weekly podcast of LargerStory.com, the podcast that sees all relationships as spiritual and all spiritual formation as relational. Now, here's your host for this week, Roseanne Moore. Good morning, Larger Story audience. I'm Rosia Moore, your host of Relational Spirituality Podcast, and I'm so excited today to have Carla Denlinger with me. And Carla, if you've been to one of our schools of spiritual direction, you may have crossed paths with her. She was a pastor's wife for 32 years at Valley Springs Fellowship in Warsaw, Indiana. She now lives in Cincinnati with her husband, Kent, and they have two grown children five grandchildren. She studied under Larry at Grace College and Seminary. And uh, as I mentioned, she was a spiritual director at our at Larry's Schools of Spiritual Direction and Next Step Programs. And she is currently a spiritual director for Larger Story. So Carla, thank you so much for taking the time today to be with me. You bet, friend. <laughs> good to be with you. Yes. It's always so good to see your face. What, let's start because we're talking about Real Church. That's our book of the quarter right now. And it was interesting when we first talked about you doing this, and I I mentioned getting your perspective as a pastor's wife, you said something beautiful. You said you felt like you just got to be Carla in the church that, that you were a part of for so long. So I would love to hear what has formed your experience with church community and how has that changed over time? What a loaded question for me in the sense of my mind, my busy mind, and right away went to what constitutes the church community? <laughs> and what is the structure of the church? And so you sent me down so many thoughts and wonderings and all. But I just started listing. My first thought went to, we've been in the book of Ruth at the local church we go to right now. And then chapter two, Kent and I were both so taken by the phrase that when Ruth showed up, it just so happened, it says she ended up in Boaz's field. And we sat and listed together that the things that it just so happened. Uh And I'm thinking I'm a little girl that lived the first two years of her life with her grandma and grandpa, with my mom and dad and my older brother, my When I was born, my folks were 20, 21, and my brother had already been born, and we lived. And my grandma had such a huge impact on me her entire life in that there was a delight and enjoyment of me that somehow held on to things in the midst of really difficult parts of my journey and story. But my first memories of church is that occasionally my mom and dad, we would get in the car and go somewhere. but. My first, I was aware, I think, of God, and I remember crying a lot in my bed at night to him. And a neighbor lady, Mrs. Harris, had a station wagon, and she threw in a bunch of us pagan neighborhood kids into her station wagon (laughs) and took us to vacation Bible school. And Mrs. Markle was up front, and I remember her laying out telling me that God loved me and that he forgives me my sins and anyone who wanted to come forward and receive Jesus at Vacation Bible School. So I did. 
And occasionally then we would go to church at that church. My mom didn't drive, so we were dependent on people to pick us up and take uh-huh. us. Uh-huh. But I remember Mrs. Youngkin was my first Sunday school teacher. And then I had Mrs. Usher. And then Mrs. Usher invited us to her house for lunch. And I don't think I'd ever gone into somebody else's home outside my family's that was a believer. And she just wanted to do us good. And Mrs. Zimmerman lived across from Arthur Street Elementary where I went and had a Bible club. And I remember Psalm 23 in a big puzzle. And I memorized it probably as a third grader. And I just ran into her last week when I was up in Ashland visiting my mom at Assisted Living. And she's got to be in her 90s. Oh, how special. So it's just all this. It just so happened. It just so happened. Uh It just so happened then that Kevin Huggins and Tina Huggins became my youth pastor. And that this church that I grew up in, Newton, Janine Larson, and John and JT, and Brian and Crystal Roseboro, It's names that flooded my mind that were part of the structured church and part of the host of believers that were just intersecting my path. And it felt like in the moment, these people were enjoying what they were doing. And it was from some place of, I wouldn't, I would, I don't know, like delight in them to share it with me. Wow. And so that was my introduction in formative years. And I have to say, my mom and dad and their willingness to be broken, to admit their faults, to receive grace, to ongoingly be changing before my eyes, like we were all becoming believers at the same time. Wow. And the ongoing messiness of our fallenness that we couldn't get rid of. Somehow we all found grace together and I'm indebted to them. Yeah. It wasn't about like with my mom and dad, it was never about cleaning up the outside of the cup. And, and a lot of forgiveness and grace came our way. And then I got disillusioned with Christianity because of somehow it wasn't addressing the deeper realities of the motivations of my heart. And at that time, I did not know, I didn't have an internal language. I just felt angry. I felt really depressed about who I was. And those are my years coming to college. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was what I was going to ask. What stage of the journey was that? College. Is that what took you to, to Bible college? Yeah. Grace was part of our denomination, Grace College and Seminary. Okay. And I knew in... Junior high school, I felt in my heart, I made a commitment to God. I wanted to serve him with my whole being somehow, my whole life. And at that time, it would be described as vocationally. Yeah. And so I went to Grace with the thought of somehow maybe being a counselor or I really didn't care the job path. Just use me. And Kent and I got married in college. I started, we came back to my home church, did an internship before seminary. He was heading into the MDiv. I was heading into the counseling program, knew nothing about the counseling program. Larry, Dan wouldn't have had the courage to do it if I would have known anything about it. Didn't have to go through an interview. Don't know. Just so happened (laughs) that God Uh at 23 plopped me down in core class and a lab with people like Tripp was in my lab and Mary Beth 
Niger was my intern. Paul and I were students together and <laughs> just this group of people becoming a community, a church. Wow. So you were you already married at that point or where yes. did you meet Ken? Yeah, we met in college our freshman okay. year. Okay. Physical science, physics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and yeah. And I've told it other places, but after we had been married for between college and seminary, I looked at him and told him he was the best thing that ever happened to me, but someday I'd be gone. And it was Christianity I was leaving because I didn't, whether it was my ears, my development, I didn't hear people talking about the struggle. And I had, I was trying to do everything that I thought I was to do, read the Bible and pray, share my faith, which was like the most uncomfortable thing on God's earth for me. Uh And I felt like getting married exposed a deeper sin in me that I couldn't dislodge and a deeper thirst in me that I thought I was crazy. So I felt angry and crazy. And I didn't want to go live for pleasure. And I was too scared to kill myself. Uh And I didn't quite know how to go crazy. (laughs) I didn't know what I was going to do. And it just so happened that I got accepted into the counseling program like that, (laughs) having no words for that in the present. Besides, I don't know. I don't know what to do or where to go or where to turn. Yeah. So I wonder how many people like really enter that kind of existential sense of being trapped. I know at various times I've been very aware of that like being trapped in being alive and human and what a phrase <laughs> I resonate with. I, I can remember thinking once after reading Jeremiah, I get it. The whole thing of, it's not even that I want to die. It's why was I ever born? Like I didn't choose to be here and now I'm stuck yeah. and having God, because I think when you actually grapple with that, it can either it will either drive you crazy or it will open you up to God in ways that nothing else can because you're so desperately in need of someone larger than yourself to save you. Yes. And nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else will work. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Trapped so, in aliveness. What a phrase. <laughs> so what what happened? You're there. You're there to get training as a counselor. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. The joke was on me. (laughs) And in the middle of it, God is surrounding you with all these wonderful people who are also, I know enough of some of their stories to know that they were also grappling with what it meant to be alive and human and you found community together. Yes. And I, I think how the church functions that way in such beautiful ways of you come alongside together for a bit of time and then you go off and then He allows another person to come in and strengthen you and you strengthen them. And that this organic, beautiful flow that way. And I would build my kingdom here if I could. Yeah. But there's something far more alive and the needs in me for different parts of the body and how different people view things and their journeys and what they've come to know of him that I'm limited in coming to know. And I think that was some of my first exposure of having my world expanded uh-huh. with these colorful, fallen, uh-huh. thirsty people. Yeah. 
and uh, that I didn't feel alone in the groan. Right. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. But, it, and it was at this time, I can't remember exactly, like, Valley Springs is starting too. And we had been part of a Sunday school class in a church, and there was quite a lot of things happening in it. And we went away for a summer to do a ministry team, and we came back. Many of our friends had started a church. Okay. And so about six weeks in, we went to it. And they just felt like we had come home. We had been part of a small group that Tom and Vicki Varney had organized in their basement. And a lot of those friends had gone on to this church, this new start. And and we went and it just felt like we were at home. And over time, I don't know how old the church was, that then like Rachel and Larry started coming and Dan and Becky, Allender and all. And it was very decentralized, disorganized, and they needed someone to help organize things like who's going to be there to set up chairs in the at the school and take the toys out, put the toys in. And Larry looked at Kent and said, why don't you do that? So Kent was hired as a ministry coordinator of our okay. group. And then over time grew into the pastorate there. Okay. Uh, so that's how we ended up in that role. But the church was very much elder ruled. And I found this friend from Valley Springs, a dear brother, sent this today with the passing of Tim Keller. He had been listening to him and brought back a lot of memories for him of our time and our journey together. And he quoted Tim Keller, an article by David Brooks right now, which is it's on the Atlantic. It said, Tim Keller said, cheer up. You're a worse sinner than you ever dared imagine, and you're more loved than you ever dared hope. Wow. Yes. And I can't think of a better summary of what we came to know together. Cheer up. (laughs) (laughs) And it so echoed Larry's heart and ministry towards us all through the decades. Looking bad in the presence of love. Yes. And that there was a group of people who I repeatedly failed in my energy, who believed and held on to something deeper in me. And the new covenant became so precious to us that the deepest reality of the redeemed image bearer's heart is that we're lovers of God and lovers of others, and that our sin is just blocking the release of that. So to have the courage to own that, energy far deeper than a behavior and an energy that you cannot fix and travels with you. (laughs) But somehow the sense of that people still looking at me with eyes of redemptive delight in the middle of my failure helped me believe that I think this is true. I think that's his heart towards me. And as a pastor's wife. I was Kent's wife, but as newer people would come in, they would look at me more and probably that traditional framework. And the elders were always so reminding me of, we all must move freely with how we've been uniquely made for the kingdom. And there's not some slot you're to fit in. We want you fully alive to how God made you in this world. And so I had to fight off a lot of my own flesh and demons, but it wasn't because of what I felt from the structure. That, wow, that is a gift because I know 
that is not the case for many wives of those in ministry, but especially their yeah. families. I've heard from, often from, and when I was married to someone in ministry, certainly that was, the pressure was to present a certain, I'm not sure if facade is the right word, but certainly a level of performance. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, so that is a gift that, that you were able to just be Carla and, yeah. and to offer that. I want to go back to something you said. You talked about the energy in us that's so often wrong and that we cannot ever fix. And it, it's funny, today, we're, as we're recording today, my interview with my best friend last month is made live. And one of the things we talked about there is how too often the message that we receive instead is we're saved by grace, but now we keep that sanctification process going by effort. <laughs> and you're pointing to the fact that is not, that's not even real reality. <laughs> we're underestimating our need for a savior when we think that's even within the realm of possibility. Would you say more about that? What does that mean? How does that, where's the hope in that? Because that can be very depressing, I would think, on the face of it. And yet, I think for me too, I, I look and I see the ways that the Lord has set me free to rest in his goodness as I come into a deeper and deeper awareness of that. Yeah, I love, seriously, the word that was coming to my mind came to your mind, freeing. <laughs> it's actually very freeing yeah. yeah, that there is something terribly wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's so big and so beyond me and out of my control. And that that's where the immensity that I just continue to scratch the surface of, of what it means that he knew that's what I was up against. I didn't oh. know that's what I was up against. Yeah. Yeah. And in his compassion, came here knowing she can't save herself from that. And, and that I don't have to. And that the path of freedom is owning it versus trying to fix it. And that I love the quote by Julian of Norwich when she, in her revelation, she kept seeing her sin. And she felt like Jesus said to her, oh, Keep coming to me with that and give me the joy of being your savior again and again. I feel so much joy in getting to save you. and But it's still so hard on my pride, like this daily reality of my snapping at Kent. And, and I would be like this if I lived alone. <laughs> <laughs> You'd just be less aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> the mailman or whoever at a distance I could have relationship right. with. But this ongoing freedom of, I don't have to live in the burden of trying to hide it, mm -hmm. fix it, stay ahead of it. That's bondage. But to live as freely as possible, like I was, I'm scared to come on this because <laughs> it's like I know me and I easily could take something and twist it, take someone down or whatever. It's <laughs> oh God. Grace is huge. And there's something that burns more deeply in me of your goodness your, that's found me than, than I want to speak of more than my fear of being exposed as fallen, exposed as self-centered, and that 
exposure is not the enemy, but it can really be a kiss of a friend and repentance can be laughter and your friends mocking you. (laughs) (laughs) With great tenderness and perfection. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the hope that we, and the second coming just takes on more and more power of we are going to be free of this when grace is finally revealed fully. Yeah. And that somehow this is serving us now, this ongoing competing passions within us. And we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly. And meanwhile, we have been freed to tell of who we have found that loves us in the middle of this and grab hands with each other. And it's like, this story ends so well. Go love some more people into his kingdom. And it's a privilege. I was thinking about what you said about the people who reached out to you as a child of that you sensed in them a delight in you and a delight in, in the chat and what they were doing to share the goodness of God with you. And there's such a different power, such a different energy to wanting to give account of the one who has set you free as opposed to trying to impose a way of thinking so that you can score points with God. <laughs> and too often, I think we're drawn to the one that that allows our flesh to still feel pumped up. I know that was true for me for a long time in my thoughts of what it meant to share Christ. It was more about me than it was about celebrating who he was and letting and inviting other people into the joy of that. And that's something that has shifted the more that ironically, the more aware I am, I can remember a real turning point came when the Lord real clearly said to me, Roseanne, I'm never disillusioned with you because I never had any illusions about who I was getting to begin with. (laughs) You get disillusioned with you. But I never had that unreality in my view. So it's great. <laughs> and it was like a sl- it like that. It was a momentary staying in that. Oh, that's wonderful news! <laughs> oh, that's wonderful news. <laughs> because then all that can happen if he has if he if I can never surprise him with my failure. then there's just room for growth. That's all there is. All we can go is up from here as he brings life that I can't achieve on my own. Yeah. (laughs) It's such a good thing. Yeah. And I think it'll often feel like we're going down. And I, like, the, I think the suffering that we're open to, if we're open, I think there's more grief there's more of tasting the ruin within and the ruin without and the laments and the groaning. And I think for me, like that's, I can walk into, and this is where I can feel, I don't know how, there's this line within me that it's all a ball still of what's discernment, what's being judgmental, what's Mm -hmm. being just my personal preference and how to worship. But this sense of, I want to, where are all the groaning Christians? Like, where are you? Yeah. And the ones that are putting one foot in front of the other saying, so be it. Like, with all the energy they can muster, with the battles they're facing, 
internally and what they're seeing externally. Can we help lift our eyes up to the larger story? Because my knees get knocked out from under me daily. It feels like I can't go on. So that's this profound mix of aliveness and passion and battle and failure and glimpses of delight. It's all of this to be alive in this world. Yeah, you talked about that, how God brought those people into community with you for seasons and then they would leave. And that I know my time at SD, every time I came, I came in, I came away feeling both more full and more thirsty <laughs> because it was, it made me so aware and it enlarged me <laughs> in my capacity <laughs> for joy. And then I had to walk away from it. <laughs> And, but I think that's part of that call for what's coming, for what God's made heaven to be for us and the new world that he's creating, but it's not here yet. And so we, yeah, the groan, the, both the joy and the groan go deeper as we go. Yeah. It's, where, where do you find that how what does it look like for you to find the strength in the middle of that when it does feel like sometimes every it's easy to skate along the surface and you can feel like you're the only one but as you said you know that there where are the lamenting christians where are the companions in that sorrow i i can which one of the prophets it felt like he was all alone and the Lord pulled back the curtain and said, there are this many have not bent their knee to bail. And yeah. it's, I cannot trust my opinion on this or mm. trust ultimately my feelings in this. But I think even what, just looking at your questions ahead of time, I just realized how richly he's provided for me with the church that I get to connect with them phone calls. I'm part of two small groups still in Winona that it's not the day-to-day -day of helping each other kind of hook arms and go, okay, we are going to go take this meal. Even though we're both dead tired, what part are you grabbing? What part? We know right. it's right. It's consistent. We Somewhere inside of us, we're going, yes, we're 90% of us goes, surely somebody else could do this. I don't have that day-to-day -day fortification of borrowing each other's strength, mm -hmm. but I do. And as soon as I say that, I feel like, no, as I listen to people on the phone, like I do borrow their strength as they're living and fighting the battle all across the world. And the beauty of that, and authors dead, presently. But the word of God, I think, I remember when we came down here, I'm like, who am I apart from these people at Valley Spring? Who the heck am I? Because I felt so, they're in me, I'm in them, we're in Christ. Like this intermeshing that it walks through deep disillusionment with each other, deep disappointments with each other, failures, and the other side and the ongoing graces and and I wouldn't say I have a, in my locale, I am grateful. I have a daughter and son-in-law who are, who journey so beautifully into God's heart. And Kent, there are 
but I don't have a day-to-day what I would have called local church, but I have God and his word too. Like I have, and I think Larry taught me, like I sit down in the morning and often just put words to like my, my life is counts for nothing. Wherever I'm at was what's been my failure that's caused this, like some of my close friends tease that we're in exile, which isn't true at all. <laughs> and the sense of to have a conversation with God about wherever I'm at, like if I'm not feeling well, I don't think I can move today. And the days I don't have strength to do anything about it, I, I, I desire to rest in what, who he says he is, his character. And it, he's holding on to my part of faith too. It's not about me holding on to him. And, but on the other days, it's like, having my part of the conversation and then turning to his word, would you like to say anything to address that? Or is there something else in your mind that seems far more important than my take on how I'm doing? It does bore me sometimes, which is good news. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. We are in the middle of, we for the past month have been working toward buying a house and we have one under contract and we're coming down to the end with all the inspection reports in. And now we're at a point where we're waiting to see, is this something that, is this something God is going to give or is this going to be another that we've in 14 years, this is the fourth time. This is the furthest we've gotten had the hopes of having this happen since we were displaced 14 years ago. And over the weekend, I was just, I was struggling with wanting to handle it well and then realizing that wasn't an option. Like I just had to, (laughs) I had to say all the things that were there and, and say, I don't like that I'm wrestling again with questions of whether or not you really take care of me. I can recount the things in the past, but that doesn't feel present now. And the Lord has been so kind in the middle of it. Of And as I've gone through this process of feeling very justified with all the reasons why it feels like it, he's not trustworthy, <laughs> because we've been here so many times before, he brought to mind the Israelites coming out of Egypt. All they had known was slavery. And he says, I'm going to deliver you. And they're like, yay. And everything gets worse. <laughs> and and it was just a reminder, like, this is not new. This is what it means to be human in a fallen world where God is at work and he's moving us forward. But often we want that to be a straight path. We want it to look a certain way. We want it to make sense. And it doesn't. And we can get fixated on that. And all the while, he's wanting to do more than just give us what we want and what we legitimately need. He provided the food and water, but he wanted them to see him. He wanted them to see his face. Yes. And they miss that for the most part. Joshua and Caleb were the only two who would, and Moses, were the only ones who would really make seeing his face more important than, than seeing him meet the needs in the way in the time that it seemed like he should. 
And yeah, it, so I, I share that because even, I think that's part of the reason I need other believers. I need people who remind me who have been through that part of their journey and who can say, but I have seen his goodness <laughs> in the middle of this. And so we keep going. We call to each other to keep going when it's hard. When you were sharing <clears throat> the part where you've seen so much of his faithfulness and the grief of, why can't I trust you here? Like immediately something in my heart could sit down and want to, I'm not sure the words, but it's, you're my sister. That's what I, goes on inside of me. And I think that's where I can feel such sadness of, oh, Lord, <laughs> what more do you need to say to me? <laughs> and whether, like for me, the wrestle continues and I long for it to be behind me yeah. because yeah. he's been so good and so faithful and the reminders, but that he's into drawing me more deeply into deeper parts of his heart that I can't get to any other way than this wrestle. Yeah. And I long not to be a wrestler <laughs> and I won't be someday. Maybe wrestler's not the right word, but I was just listening to Johnny Erickson last week with the, the paralysis and then many know she's had severe pain since I think the late 90s that she said made the paralysis feel like a walk in the park. And then breast cancer, but the severe pain and where it's taken her with God and what she can share of the wrestle and the rest. I wonder who's put me onto those phrases. I'm thinking of Beth Whalen. <laughs> like the glory of the whole story. And I still want to parse out this part's good, this part's bad, this part's, but it's all about him somehow. And that I long. I long to bring him pleasure, like that last phrase of Bernard Clairvaux, I love myself for God's sake. And I don't, I doubt this is what Bernard Clairvaux meant by it. But for me, it's I love all of my story, the wrestles, the parts I just don't and won't be able to get here. The failures of others, will I allow him to use all of my life for his good pleasure versus thinking it's about utterly doing it perfectly or like slowly it bends in on me versus I think I'm like more enthralled with who he is and what he's doing and not so much how I'm doing or not doing. And that's been greater freedom too. But I, you remind me of that one psalm. I forget what it is too. It's, I, it's, it starts with, I was a brute beast before him. Yeah, Psalm 73. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I read that one a lot, <laughs> especially during this house process. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. He's so provoking. He's so yeah. provoking. Yeah. And then the next verse, nevertheless, he yeah. takes me by the right hand and guides me and Leads me to glory. Heaven but you. Yeah. There's none else on earth that I desire besides you. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I do hope you get this house. I do too. But I also, my, my bigger prayer the last few days 
has been. Let us see your face. Let us not miss your face. Don't let us get this house and miss your face or not get it and miss your face, regardless of whether it comes or not. Don't let us be wandering in our desert, eyes down, unaware of the one who keeps our shoes from wearing out and providing water and, mm -hmm. and food each day. Lift our eyes to see the glory of the one who lives in our presence. And that has been my prayer in the middle That's of beautiful. this. That's holy. May he honor your deepest desire. For myself and my kids. Yeah. Because that was one of the things I realized, like part of the passion for this house was wanting a nest for them because mm -hmm. we've been so through so much. And I realized if that's all that I can give them, it's not enough. I would much rather they, they see his face and find him as one worthy to be desired above all else. And the, to land in that place, like, I obviously it's the spirit's work to land you in that place to find your deeper heart. But the ingredients in that, what would you say are those ingredients? Realizing that the life that I long for is too small. The life I want to give them too often is too small. Uh -huh. It would make them small. Wow. And that's come through pain. That awareness has often come through. It has both come through loss and it has also come through receiving the thing that I wanted. I thought that I wanted <laughs> and finding it's not enough that it, there's a level of emptiness there that then I turn around <laughs> and find his face in the middle of the thing that I feared most <laughs> in finding that he is enough. What's his face look like to you? I, I just think back of the week that probably it's the time where I most, I've never experienced his presence more deeply than the week between realizing that something was wrong with our third child and actually losing the baby. And I can remember it was the most bizarre thing because as I was on my face crying out for the life of that child, and the Lord repeatedly said, give Shannon to me. I was both aware of the deep longing for that little one and the just unspeakable awareness that there was no greater good than relinquishing that child to God's hands. That was the safest place for Shannon. And it was weird Carla, it was just weird because you never would. And I hope I never have to experience anything like that again. And yet in the middle of it, I was almost sorry. I, my biggest fear, I can remember saying to a friend, my biggest fear, and as much as I want Shannon to live, my biggest fear is not that we'll lose Shannon. My biggest fear is that this awareness of who God is and how glorious he is will fade and i think when i remember that the taste of that and 
the awareness that it's only a taste of what's coming. <laughs> That's what I don't want to ever lose sight of. That's what I always want to be moving toward. That's what this last weekend I was aware was missing. <laughs> and yet it can't be for the sense of his presence because that comes and goes. Like he, he stooped very near during that time. A lot of other times that hasn't been that way. He seemed silent and distant. And for reasons I, don't, I can't manipulate or figure out, or I don't have a formula of why he came so close then and other times in great struggle, he has seemed silent. I just know on the other side of the silence, he, the silence has spoken more profoundly than if he had spoken into it. Would you say he somehow sealed something in your heart with you at that point? Yeah. And that whether you sense him or not, or his silence, his quietness, he's very present, whether you sense his goodness or not, but down underneath it all, that incredible him meeting you there has altered you. Yeah, I think losing Shannon anchored my heart in heaven like nothing else could have. Oh. Anchored my heart in eternity the way nothing else could have. And while I never want to have to go through anything like that again, I can't regret it because of what he did in the middle of it. And people are eternal. She, I, if Shannon had lived, I wouldn't have my son Daniel. <laughs> and I have, and I will have Shannon one day. <laughs> So I got more in the middle of it. I lost nothing. I lost nothing in the end. And I'm grateful for that. You're very rich. I did not expect to go here <laughs> at all. I should have brought my Kleenex box. Too. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Thank you. This is one of the things that I think this is one of the gifts that you have that you offer is this is a picture of what we want to offer each other as the body of Christ, right? To to listen intentionally in a way that the Holy Spirit can bring to the surface what he's done and what he's still doing. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> thank you. I forget there's other people listening. I know. <laughs> That's a gift. <laughs> Like I, I think a Hebrew is coming together in the body of Christ to come to help us to love and spur one another on to love and good deeds. As we each get these glimpses yeah. that alter us, and then we're asked to walk by faith and just by thirst, which is so much a bulk of the journey, I think, within these little sips and tastes of keep going. Yeah. And you can borrow my faith right now. Can I borrow yours? Because I'm really struggling, and it's like that ebb and flow of give and take from each other and that inner penetration and inner animation that happens as part of truly part of a his body together, how he wants to reach us and whisper to us and remind us of who he really is. Yeah. And I appreciate the fact that you didn't try to make anything happen. I think that's a mistake we often make. I often make is I want to make it better. I want to help somebody see 
the Lord or in the midst of the thing or whatever, instead of trusting that he's there and he's making himself known. And so looking for that, Mm -hmm. listening for that, Mm -hmm. which is what you did today. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, Carla, (laughs) we're kind of coming to the end of our, of our time. What, is there anything else you want to share that's on your heart? Because we do, I just, like you said, we do have other people listening. (laughs) I just remembered that. (laughs) I read in Psalms a lot. And I, this passage, I was, it was the day for Psalm 138. And it starts off, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise and I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have been exalted above all things in your name and your word. And it's like lifting my eyes of however, like my smaller story into this large story of steadfast love and faithfulness. And But that chapter ended and the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me for us. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. That was possi- That's possible for him, but the Lord will fulfill his purposes for us. And no matter what that looks like, he's got me. And I can flail in his hands, <laughs> but I'm in his hands. <laughs> yes. yes. And I can go on not speaking terms with him. And I'm in his hands and he's going to get me. And meanwhile, there's something deeper than just existing in the middle of being in his hands. I really long when I can find it and my brothers and sisters help me unearth it again. Like I really would like to cause the father pleasure today. And I really would love to be about that in a fullest way possible. And I think my failures are also tied with that being happening. Uh-huh. It's not mutually exclusive, <laughs> but that the wrestle is honoring that process somehow. So I don't want to pretend. I, I've been listening to an album called Faithful. It's a group of women, artists of various kinds who got together like around COVID, the beginning of COVID and wrote songs together from scripture and one of the songs I've been listening on repeat to, and it keeps coming to mind as you're talking is the detour is the road. (laughs) (laughs) What, what feels to us like the detour is actually the road to his heart. (laughs) It's the road to everything we long for in him. And that's what I hear you saying as you trace the path to through that little girl, going to church and going to seminary and thinking that you were going to be out of here. And here you are. How many years have you and Kevin here now? Four and a half, but who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And just his good hand in planning us here. Yeah. We don't have time to speak of that. And the 50 houses we looked at and all the bids we lost and moved in with the kids and put an offer on this house. And it was like, they called us within two hours. They were having an open house the next day. And we met them, Doug and Mary. And Mary said, we walked in the door and she said, we had many offers even that first day before our open house that were higher than yours. 
But Doug and I are people of prayer, and we asked God, who are we to sell this to? And we knew it was you. Wow. And I'm like, you went before us? There are Christians in Cincinnati (laughs) who are living from a different economy, like longing to please you, and we'll do it. And it's so here I sit with this provision of this is where you're to live. And on and on, the body of Christ, the church. Yeah. Yeah, a detour is the road, and it lands us in his heart. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. so good. Carla, thank you so much for doing this with me today. I I know it was a sacrifice. I know physically that that it's not easy for you at times (laughs) to to that you'll probably be tired the rest of the day and pay or maybe several days to pay for this. So thank you for being willing to come and to share your heart with us today. Thank you for asking. It's fun to talk about God. Yeah. yeah. And his deep goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Friends, larger story friends, I hope you will be back with us next week. And if you haven't already checked out Larry's book, Real Church. This is the kind of community he talks about. (laughs) How do we do more than just talk about God? How do we actually celebrate him in our midst? How do we help each other to become more open and aware and more hungry to become little Christ, knowing that it's not about our performance, but it's about his mercy in our midst. So we hope you'll join us next time. Thank you, Carla, so much. You for, betcha. For being with us. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. If you like what you heard today, hit the like button just below. Then come back by subscribing to our podcast channel. For more resources on relational spirituality, go to our website at largerstory.com. Thank you.